0: Kupo, defended by Thomas, time winding down, Antetokounmpo, on the fade, it's good, out the buzzer, two second, Middleton, yes, Chris Middleton, Happy birthday, Jason Kemp, this pace up for glass.
1: good work, defending around the rim, just taking up space,
0: Giannis, yes, oh my goodness, Sorry. I'm with you, wow, here we go. Yes, again price of admission at Target center right there so
1: we just gonna go out there and play basketball and win and win yeah how many games six we're gonna be we're gonna win the six this is the cream city cast how's it going everybody welcome to another edition of the cream city cast i am your host as always dylan piccolo joined with me now as always with my good friend alexander juno al what's up man how are we doing uh kind of an indifferent weekend for the bucks
0: yeah uh could have gone a little better could have gone a lot worse uh, what was weird is that they got off to a bad start in both games and then it kind of got better from there in both games but sort of different endings
1: so we'll put the games on the back burner because uh, we had a, a bit of news um, going into the weekend uh, with Thon Maker. Uh, Woj tweeted that, you know, Thon's, you know, sources telling him that Thon wants a bigger role uh, and wants to be moved because uh, he can't see that bigger role with the Bucks. Um This is interesting. I mean, Thon has had five DNPs in the month of January. So, I mean, his minutes have definitely been reduced uh, and have been reduced even before that. So I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, but he also hasn't really played himself into any minutes on the other side. So I'm kind of, I don't know how I feel about it.
0: I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I think that a case could be made that he should play over Urson with how Urson's played this year. But... Ursan's more of a four and Thon's more of a five. So it's kind of like a sticky fit. It's kind of up in the air what you think about Ursan. I definitely know that some people think Ursan's playing better than Thon, but I don't know. ursan has been moving so slow lately. And like for me personally, I don't blame Thon, but I want to be realistic. Does another team have that role for him? Does another team have 20 minutes a game to give to Thon Maker? I don't think so. Yeah, and I don't really think so either. So,
1: and and in that situation, I don't think a trade can happen necessarily because we're just trying to move Thon Maker. I think like if you're going to trade Don, like you're going to throw him into something because like I don't know really like what a team is going to offer him. Like if a team throws you like a second round pick, are you, like are you going to just like take that? I, I don't think you are. I don't think John Horse is gonna sell that low on him. So I think once there's not really a market for him right now because he hasn't played himself into a market, if that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think there's teams that could definitely be interested in him, but I don't know if there's any team that would give up anything of value for him. Right.
1: Exactly. I just I just don't see it. I, I think that you know there's definitely people around the league that liked him when they drafted him. You know, he was people were high, you know, high on him. He was a top ten pick, maybe a little too high, but definitely have saw him on mock drafts around there. Um, and I just think that he's never really just like put it all together. There's a couple of games where he does put it all together and it's scary what he can do, like effectiveness-wise. But it's those other nights where all right, he's not really hitting his jump shot. He's he's not really blocking shots. He's not really rebounding that great. I mean, what is he really adding? So are you going to say, all right, well we hope those games multiply and he gets better from that. Or is he going to be kind of this inconsistent guy that has a lot of the physical traits, but not necessarily the mental or whatever it takes to do that on a consistent basis.
0: Yeah. That's, what's always been sort of tough for me with Thonmaker is that you see some things that he does well. And I think his ability to move his feet on defense and stay in front of people is pretty valuable. But in terms of like a basketball IQ and putting it all together, it's tough to say that Thonmaker's done that at any point.
1: Right. And I think we need to talk about, because I think it's important kind of how, if they did want to move from Thonmaker, even if they did center a trade just around Thon to get an asset, the play of Christian Wood in the G League's got to make that a little easier. Uh, I mean, another fantastic performance with four was it forty and twenty uh, this past weekend. So he's he's playing fantastic. I think the Bucks need to give him a shot. I, I also think they have a plan for him in terms of bringing him up uh, later in the season. But I just don't see why you you know if you have thought on your roster and you're planning on like keeping him. Why would why? Because why can't Christian Wood give you those minutes and maybe even produce and give you a, a deeper bench? Because we'll talk about it later. You know, the Bucs didn't look deep at all against Oklahoma City and against Orlando. They had fourteen bench points against, uh, or not Orlando against Charlotte. They had fourteen bench points against Charlotte, and they had fifteen against Oklahoma City.
0: Uh, I don't think Christian Wood's good. Like I, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. But, like, he, especially for what the Bucs need their big men to do, they need guys who can defend positionally. I don't really think that's Christian Wood. He's not the worst on that end. He's not like Jabari Parker, but he's not fast, and he doesn't really have good instincts or positioning. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of the times he puts up these big numbers with the herd is because they make a massive deficit for themselves they've not been a good defensive g league squad this year and that's that's not just on him but he is a part of that he's played a lot of minutes for them and he can't shoot and like he would be the worst shooter that the bucks play besides Giannis. and i'm not actually sure he's better than Giannis. he attempts four three pointers per game in the g league and he shoots in the low 20s in terms of percent so like I, I don't know. I'm probably more out on Christian Wood than anybody else, but I just feel like it's worth mentioning.
1: I think that see well my where well my point is is that we haven't other than you know he has played sparingly this year. he's played a, a few games. what's the what's the risk of bringing him up for a week or two weeks and giving him twelve minutes off the bench where Thon is? I mean, is there a risk in that?
0: I don't think there's a risk, but I don't really think it makes sense. Like they see these guys okay, in practice every day. And if yeah, one guy's but, way better than the other guy, I think if it was close, he would have gotten minutes by now.
1: But what I'm saying is that I also, that could be what they're saying, but I could, I'm saying is that they're, they're doing this wrong. I think that when you have a player playing like that and you have Don maker, that's not giving you anything and especially you know after these two games where you have 14 and 15 bench points I think there's no risk of bringing him up for two weeks all right if it works out then great then he can come in and help this team in the stretch of the season maybe he's not going to play a lot in the playoffs but when in the depth of the season where you need a lot of guys ready to go on a night-to-night basis and he can help you win those games then there's no question that that's what you're good that's what you should do that's what I'm saying that I'm not seeing what they're seeing for some reason, but. Obviously, I'm not seeing practices and all that stuff, but, you know, I think you had kind of have an open spot there and you have open minutes, it seems like. So why not at least give it a chance? And if it doesn't work, then all right, then it doesn't work. And then we say, all right, this is over with. We know. But why are we just sitting there having this unknown factor? You know what I mean?
0: Not really. I mean, I just—I don't think he's bringing anything that Urson and DJ don't give you. I think, well, he would bring different skills, but I don't know if those skills make them better as a team. But that's and the thing
1: I, you don't. But that's the thing you don't know. So you have a valuable asset, and you're not even trying to figure out if it can work in your system. I mean, like, and the only way that I think that you can figure that out is in an actual game.
0: I don't see. To me, that just makes it seem like the G league isn't a valuable experience at all because like, well, if you're saying
1: it is a valuable experience, that means he's very good because he's averaging absolutely astronomical
0: numbers. He's, and he's, he's putting up really big counting stats. I don't think he's putting up really big impact. Um, just he's putting the ball through the hoop a lot and he's getting a lot of rebounds. I don't necessarily agree that that's like a huge impact necessarily. I think, In many ways, it's just somebody has to score the ball, and he's been the guy that scores the ball. I just – I don't think that the Bucs are – His
1: true shooting percentage is 61%. I mean, you know, he's obviously getting easy shots and doing it well. So, I I just think that, you know, you look at the bench scoring the last two games. Obviously, you can't jump off a cliff, and I'm not saying that this move would necessarily be jumping off of a cliff. I mean, just putting him inserting him in the lineup for a couple of games, I think, you know – I don't think that there's any there's no real reason why not to, especially if you have someone that doesn't want to be there
0: and doesn't want the team. I mean well that is a that has has, that has, in the lineup. You're talking about putting him over Ursan or DJ, not over Thon. No,
1: I'm just telling him I'm talking about putting him on on a roster where he can actually play. Because like when he if he's not on the roster, he can't play. I'm saying if you're not if your intention is not to play Thon that night. If you're saying, "All right, okay. we're not going to play Thon." Why not give D, or Christian Wood an opportunity to step in and get some of his minutes that night? I get they don't necessarily play the same position, but you no, can but, arrange it where Christian Wood can get minutes.
0: But you're just saying you want Christian Wood suited up on the bench instead of in a suit behind the bench because like Thon maker isn't getting minutes right now.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'm saying what's the point of having you know what I'm saying, why not at least have the opportunity where all right, well, maybe the bucks bench isn't scoring that well and you need that you need that little punch. All right, well, if you don't have him on the bench, you don't have necess- Don Maker's not going to do it because you don't believe that because you're not playing him.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> we're just going to have to agree to disagree. I don't think that I don't think that Christian Wood is that. If uh, like Christian Wood put up massive stats in the G League last year, and nobody really wanted him on their team, he was first team all summer league, and then he didn't get signed for three months, and then he got signed to a partially guaranteed contract by the Bucks. Uh, I just feel like there's something that's there's there's a disconnect between the numbers and what we're actually seeing him get. Like if, so, then
1: what's the what's the end game then? with him because you know did they sign him because oh well you know he might be good somewhere else and we don't want to look like idiots so we're just going to stash him so no one can ever
0: know that I think they signed him with the hope that he could improve his defense in his three point shooting and I think that's sort of what they were talking about or not they he was talking about when he said coach bud to- what did he tweet the other day it was something to the effect of coach bud told me what I have to do I'm going to Go down and make the most of my time, and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna kill it. Something like that.
1: Yeah, he, I mean,
0: he had a tweet like that, and I think, I think it's something like that, where Bud is giving him Bud and his staff are giving him a list of things that he needs to improve on before he can help them, and they're gonna see if he can improve on those things. Because I do think that the skills he does have, you know, soft touch around the rim, um, fairly good rebounder i don't that's that's another thing i don't know how much i want to read into g league rebounding just because the guys on average are smaller and less athletic so i don't know we've seen a lot of these guys and well, it's, that's like it's,
1: that's like saying i mean i mean i don't want to like that's like saying that you can't like look into Giannis's is like the bucks is rebounding because all right well Giannis is getting so many open rebounds because of brooke lopez like that's not necessarily Giannis saying, all right, I'm going to go up and grab the ball. It's like, all right, well, there's no one around, and I'm going to grab it. I would it.
0: say that. I would say that Giannis' rebounding numbers are kind well, of all exactly. Or-
1: <laughs> exactly. All right, well, then, that's fine. All right, <laughs> let's move on. I
0: don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's move on. All right, we'll see. I'm on your side, Christian Wood. For Christian Wood. Um, I'm not. All right. That's fine. That's okay. This is all good. This is fine. I mean, people who disagree all the time. It's all good. It happens. But we have more to talk about. So let's talk about um, the next thing I want to discuss uh, was the Anthony Davis situation. Um, It's kind of hard not to. uh, I wrote. Uh, an article. Uh, you can check it out um, at DP double underscore hoops. Um, it's on Anthony Davis and the Bucks' chance to get him. I don't see really a, a route for Anthony Davis to land in Milwaukee, as many people are saying. It's so easy. Oh, you know, just go trade Middleton, Bledsoe you know, all the first round picks that we don't have. Um, you know, but. It's fun to talk about. So what are your kind of opinions? I mean, obviously, like, there's a whole other side of what actually will happen. But just kind of, like, from the Bucks' perspective, what does this mean? Because the Bucs could go after a couple other guys on the Pelicans if they decided to clean house. And there actually could be some options there.
0: The first thing I kind of want to say is that I don't think that there's really a way for Anthony Davis to come to Milwaukee. I think that the fit is interesting with Giannis, but that would be like an entire, another podcast. I don't really want to waste time discussing their fit. I do think they would fit way better than Boogie and Anthony Davis did, because um, they're they're just really much different players. Boogie is sort of slow. So this would be a fast front court with very versatile bigs. Um, But in terms of how he would get here, I I don't personally see value in Middleton and Bledsoe to the Pelicans at all. So, like, the the deal that I sort of proposed on Twitter was basically the five guys the Bucks have on rookie contracts. Uh, Brogdon, Brown, Wilson, Maker, and Dante DiVincenzo. And then I think I needed to use Jason Smith as salary filler or something like that. Um, so the Pelicans get five young guys that are probably rotation players at their best, except for Brogdon's probably a starter. Um, There's really no reason they should take that. I think the Pelicans should be able to get Jason Tatum. Um, I would probably prefer Lonzo Ball over any of those players, and I don't really see a reason why they couldn't get Lonzo. Um,
1: If it's Lonzo and Kuzma, I think that's a no-brainer. I think you got to take that if you're the Pelicans. uh, Yeah, I I think... Because, I mean, I like Jason Tatum... You know, and you can, are, you know, but are you just going to take Jason Tatum? You're probably going to have to take both. You're probably going to want to have both if you're the Pelicans, him, Tatum, and Brown. And I don't know because I was listening to NB radio and they're talking about assets. And, you know, what good are they until you use them? I mean, they'll talk about Boston. They had Kelly Olinick, which could have been a probably a sweetener and some deal that they could have made, but they just let him go and didn't get anything for him. So, what kind of is boston gonna do with that uh you know is new orleans gonna say all right well anthony davis said he wanted to trade are we gonna let him play once he gets back uh you know from his from his finger injury uh is how is that gonna go over with the fans do the fans really care i mean you know is new orleans basketball safe right now (laughs) like you know who knows really so i think there's a lot that can be played there but i'm with you i don't really see like an easy path for Anthony Davis to Milwaukee, but maybe someone else from the Pelicans.
0: Before we move on to the other people from the Pelicans, who so I think there are two guys that are kind of interesting, uh, I think the big picture stuff you kind of were just mentioning was interesting. I do think the end of Anthony Davis in New Orleans could be the end of New Orleans basketball. Uh, I saw that Bovada just tweeted out odds of where the Pelicans franchise is, and New Orleans is still the favorite to keep their franchise, but like if there's a chance that they could move, like billionaires from louisville billionaires from mexico city billionaires from seattle are going to call and they're going to be like here's an offer because everybody wants an nba team because the nba is the best but the other thing i wanted to mention is in terms of it doesn't matter to me that the bucks can't get anthony davis i just don't want the celtics or the raptors to get anthony davis because then like that changes like the bucks can come out of the east this year if Boston has Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and Gordon Hayward, I don't know if the Bucks can come out of the East anymore. So that's definitely worth mentioning. And it, like if Toronto has to give up like OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and they still have Lowry Kawhi and Anthony Davis, like game over. Like that's wow. But Drew Holiday, how does he get here?
1: I think. I think obviously you got to move on. You got to figure out some way to, you know, work in blood. I mean, I'm not moving Middleton for Drew Holiday. I'm working, looking at blood. and trying to fill around that. Um, I like Drew Holiday a lot. I think what he brings, uh, you know, I think offensively is good, but you know, what he can bring on the defense end of the floor is really, well, really good too. I think he could fit well, uh, what Budenholzer does here. Um, and I think he's a good fit for the system. I think just making obviously the money work is fine. Cause I mean, I think as bucks fans right now. We're kind of at the point where it's like, all right, well, obviously like we love Middleton and you know, blood. but you know, the second Anthony Davis was, uh, you know, was said to be on the market. I, everyone, well, we can trade blood. Middleton, Brogdon, whatever. It doesn't matter. We no strings attached to anyone except Giannis. So, yeah, that's for Anthony Davis, but are we going to do the same thing for lesser players as well? So that kind of is the big thing, and it talks about bringing him back as well.
0: For me, I think a Drew Holiday package would have to be built around Brogdon, because Brogdon has restricted free agency rights, and he's young enough where you could sort of talk yourself into re-signing him, and he's probably not good enough where he would ruin your tank if you're trying to tank for a few years, but he would be a nice guy. Like, if you get a very good big man prospect. You need a guard to get him the ball. Malcolm Brogdon can be that guy. Um, So I was thinking in terms of making the money work, uh, George Hill, big expiring. Malcolm Brogdon, Thon Maker. That way Thon can get out and in theory, minutes would be open. Uh, The reason I like Drew Holiday is mainly his defense. Uh, I think he's a more like, I started talking about this with a buddy of mine. Uh, People will say that like Malcolm Brogdon's a way better three-point shooter than Drew Holiday. Well, Drew Holiday actually shoots off the dribble and has a way quicker release. And I think that sort of stuff kind of matters when you talk about how slow Brogdon's releases and the fact that his attempt rate is sort of low compared to the rest of the Bucs. Um, so that's sort of what I would focus on. Uh, Holiday's defense, what he was able to do in the first round against Portland last year was just fantastic. And like, there are good guards in the East. If he can do that for the Bucks, they could seriously have a chance to get to the finals. And then with so and Holiday against Curry and Thompson, you would feel better than. Absolutely. You wouldn't feel it, it, good, but
1: better. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't feel good. You'd feel like semi-like uncomfortable still, but it would be it would be all right. Um, so did you say there was one more guy? Maybe.
0: Uh, I, th- I think Nikola Miritich is worth mentioning just because of it, the impact he could have for the Bucks spacing wise. I don't know if it makes sense with Brooke on the roster really. And the fact that he would play the same position as DJ and Mirotic, but DJ and
1: Oh
0: yeah. I meant to say DJ and Giannis not DJ. Yeah. So, oh. but just because those are all the power forward minutes, et cetera. Right.
1: Absolutely. Um, all right, so uh, we'll move on from that, and we'll discuss the two games for this weekend. Uh, first, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Hornets 108-99 to uh, after a very slow start, and we talked on our last podcast, and you mentioned this as one of your worries. You, uh, you, you said the Bucks, you didn't hope to come out flat, and they, they came out very flat, very, very flat uh, in it, it was not good to start. It was not a very attractive game from either team, actually, to start. It was kind of hard to watch. But uh, they persevered and they came back uh, in the second half and won that game. Uh, Giannis finished with 34 13 rebounds, three steals, three blocks. Uh, Brogdon, 19 points, five rebounds. Bledsoe with 18, Middleton with 15. Like I'd mentioned before, uh, 14 bench points in the Bucks Outscored the Hornets in the fourth quarter, 32-12 to to seal that one up to come back. So give me some of your key takeaways from the game against the Hornets. Kind of uh, a trend we saw over the weekends with the slow start.
0: It was really bad to watch. I was there. Uh, I had... Uh... It was just painful. You know, they got off to the slow start and you, you know, when they're down 10, you're waiting for them to like, just claw their way back into it. Second quarter goes by, they're still down about 12, 14, third quarter goes by, they're still down about 12, 14. And you're like, ah, crap, they're not going to come back from this one. And then in the fourth quarter, they just stopped Charlotte from scoring altogether. And they made a 10 point deficit into a 10 point lead. And it's like, Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that against good teams. And that was sort of what we saw against OKC. But against the Hornets, they were able to get it done. Uh, They really kept Kemba in check, which is sort of the one thing I said to look for is, can they keep Kemba in check? The answer to that was yes. And they still struggled. So that was what something I found kind of weird that the Hornets took a different approach and were still competitive.
1: Yeah, Kemba uh really struggled. He was three to twelve from the floor, one four from behind the arc, only got three free throw attempts, which is kind of light like for him. Uh, like I said, the ten points uh and a minus seven. You know, I think when you saw a real effort early in the game to have Eric Bledsoe get in that get in the post and really try to take advantage of Kemba Walker and it really wasn't working out to start, uh, you know, Bledsoe finish with, like I said, with 18.7 and 16 from the floor. So I didn't necessarily like how they uh, attacked to start out with, um, but they kind of came around. And like we've kind of – like you've kind of said all year, the Bucks have always just kind of came around when they're down 10 uh, eventually. Uh, and, you know, they have done it every time, but they didn't finish it against Oklahoma City. And that was one of my key points that I wrote was, you know y- – you got to do this against both teams and it's hard to do it, especially on the road. And I kind of a weird five o'clock game. It was a weird game. It was one of the weirder games of this season. I thought just kind of from all the different parts of it, like Steven Adams getting hurt, you know, turnovers. It was kind of a weird game.
0: Yeah. The two words I would use to describe it were poorly officiated. I, I, we don't, we haven't really talked about this, but the way that Giannis gets officiated sucks. Like, he gets hammered every time that he goes to the rack and sometimes like the guys get all elbow and it's like, what are you looking at? Like it's right at your eye level that he's getting smacked. So where, where are you looking? Uh There was one play that he got called for an offensive foul on sort of a Euro step where uh Jeremy Grant just kept stepping back with his arms in front of him. And it's like, I, how do you call that an offensive foul? Like what, what, and so you just watch the game and you're confused at the whistle Giannis is getting, and that's just annoying. Uh, Do
1: you think they just like don't know how to officiate them him correctly? Because I mean, yes, I'm I'm sure they're watching a lot because yeah, he takes those big steps and everything like that. But, but what is it?
0: Wouldn't that lead to more travel calls? Like I could tolerate more travel calls because you're not seeing it correctly. But like the contact seems like it should be black and white. I know yeah, it's pretty obvious. I know some people say that because he's so big and strong, they try and give smaller defenders an advantage against him. But like, that's not how basketball works. Like if you think that, if you think that he's using his strength, like uh, how, like by stepping towards somebody, because that's not, that's not an offensive foul. Like if he was shoving off. Yeah, absolutely. Call that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he he's got to finish through contact at times and stuff like that. And he does a really good job of it. He draws a ton of and ones, but it's frustrating to me that people, it, the, the, the entire way he's officiated is just frustrating to me. And then, you know, it's bad enough when he doesn't cash it in at the free throw line, but like at least give him the chance to not cash it in at the free throw line. Cause it's watching all these no calls kills me. And then like he starts the game off over of six from the field. Like, or so maybe it was worse than that. But like Giannis is never gonna go over six from the field if without contact. Like exactly. he's getting fouled.
1: I thought, you know, and you saw you saw his kind of mindset change because he got blocked for a career seven times uh yesterday he started to kind of change his mentality and started to finish more at the rim. And I tweeted that. I said, you know, he's got to start finishing more at the rim where he can't get, you know, they can't block him. It's going in the hoop or, or and he's going to get fouled. And you started to see that. And he started to finish a little bit more, but I thought Oklahoma city's defense was just absolutely suffocating in the second, first half and the second half. I mean, despite the Bucks scoring 72nd half points and only 42 in the first But in the second half to score 70 and still kind of play that defense because they knocked the Bucs out of rhythm. I mean, yeah, Chris Middleton got hot for a little bit uh, in the fourth quarter, which was nice to see. But, man, they knocked the Bucs out of sorts by really packing in that paint and kind of rotating over to stop Giannis, especially on the drives,
0: and everyone. In terms of defensive talent, do you think OKC is the best in the league?
1: I'd say athletically, Yeah.
0: I know Westbrook isn't like, like I'm a huge Westbrook critic. Like I, I don't really care for his game a whole lot, but the other guys on that team are just like beast, Paul George, beast, Steven Adams, beast. Uh, I thought Jeremy Grant played pretty good defense on Giannis. I was complaining about one call and stuff like that, but overall pretty good. And then they bring Nerlens Noel off the bench. Who's really like, that's what he does is play great defense. Yeah, so Jeremy Grant had five blocks. That just seems wild to me. And Dennis Schroeder, pretty good athlete, too. Um, yeah. It's a tough team to play.
1: Yeah, it was a weird game and a tough team to play, kind of. I mean, they're the third best team in the Western Conference. So, I mean, you look at it, that was probably like a top, what, top six matchup between in NBA teams, probably, at least.
0: Yeah, depending, yeah. Yeah. Probably. I think OKC is probably the sixth or the fifth best team in the league. Uh, yeah, so that's one of the Bucks' hardest games of the year to play a top six team on the road. So,
1: and um, I mean, think about if Brick Lopez was than what he was in the first quarter. Think about that because that that's a real scary thought. It, re-
0: <laughs> the game had the potential to get ugly. They didn't really have many runs until the fourth quarter, and. The Bucks were down, you know, fourteen sixteen for a lot of the game. You know, if OKC goes on a six point run, the Bucks are close to getting twenty piece, you know. Yeah. It it didn't go great. I mean it's kinda I'm kinda glad we don't have to see this team again. Like the next time we see them will be April tenth, the last regular season game of the year. And there's a good chance that one of these teams, the game doesn't matter for at all. Like the Bucs could have the one seat clinched if they you know, if they beat the Raptors next week and they're a game ahead of them, they have the one seed clinched, they wouldn't even need to try against OKC.
1: But- yeah, and then you wouldn't see him again and it wouldn't be a problem. Um, One play that I just, like, can't get over is that blood so pass at the end. I, you know, I think, like, he was just un- indecisive and just kind of let go of it at the end. But I think, you know, it's t- it's it's easy to say, all right, well man, he struggled in a clutch time in the playoffs and another bad thing happened here. You know, could those moments stack upon each other? I mean, is that going to play into what they're going to do in the off season trade deadline? I mean, all hypothetical things, but all could be definitely true. Uh, What are your thoughts on kind of that?
0: I'm starting to worry about his shooting. Uh, He had a really bad shooting night against the Hornets from three. And then he goes one of four against the thunder. Um, his game is built so much on finishing these really tough drives at the rim that if he's not doing that, he really struggles with efficiency, you know, against the thunder, 14 shots, 11 points. Uh, Couldn't really get his teammates going either. He only got three assists, had four turnovers. Um, He was the only starter that was negative. The rest were either even or positive. It's tough. You know, we talk about how bad the bench is, but, you don't really care that much about the bench if all the starters are doing what you need them to do. And really he was the one that laid an egg against OKC. So it, it's tough. If he's not consistently great, this Bucks team looks a lot weaker. And what he does defensively is valuable. Like he was matched up with Westbrook for most of the game and Westbrook had a terrible night. So. Yeah,
1: I think kind of, and I wrote about this. I think Bledsoe's kind of, the kind of the ignition kind of, I mean, Giannis, obviously the offense runs through him, but Eric Bledsoe kind of sets the tone for this team offensively on a night to night basis. I mean, as much as you don't necessarily see it in the stat line, the time when he possesses the ball and he brings it up the court and he'll either drive to the rim, he'll start the motion by passing out to the corner, you know, there's different things that he can do. And, When he's not doing it well, it kind of throws a wrench in everything that the Bucks are trying to do. Yeah,
0: I'd agree with that. If they need him to be good, when he takes the his pull up threes would be really great if they went in at a little bit higher clip because the guards really play off him, and if they play on him, he's going right by him and he's at the rim. Uh, I don't really know. I don't know. I'm sure they work with him on it, and I'm sure he's getting a ton of practice shots up. And he knows that if he shoots 29% from three for the year, it's going to affect his paycheck at the end of the year. But when he hits those pull-up threes, they're devastating for the other team's morale. He hit that one near the end, and I'm like, "Oh, we're right back in." And then Paul George came and ripped my heart out. But
1: how about Paul George?
0: He's a beast. Like when he's sh- when hit he- playing off Westbrook is really sort of changed his game. And, like, now he gets to attempt all these ridiculous pull-up threes and he has a little bit less pressure on him every night. It's awesome. His games in the playoffs last year where he went off were great. This is that kind of pro- a general... Go ahead. I was going to say that was probably the best game against the Bucks this year. Like, Kemba's 40 was impressive. That triple-double by Doncic was kind of impressive. But I think that what George did yesterday was just the best thing we've seen against the box
1: this is kind of a general nba question do you think like what paul george and Kawhi are doing will have any effect on free agents in the future like kind of deciding all right let's you know playing with lebron obviously to you know Kawhi has to make his decision yet or and i think he's going to go to the clippers but i think but their success they're having with these other teams is having a big effect on what's happening with kind of LeBron and the Lakers willingness now to maybe go and get Anthony Davis.
0: Yeah. I Like the Lakers are going to make the best offer they can. I don't think they can afford to wait anymore because if the Raptors go to the finals this year, I can't see Kawhi leaving.
1: Even if he did leave, he's going to the Clippers. He's not going to the Lakers.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I just
1: don't see that happening.
0: I literally I mean, have no idea what's going to happen anymore. The NBA is I, so
1: confusing. I, I know it's like I talk about it, it's like a male soap opera. It really yeah. is. It's like, it's like I make fun of like my mom or whatever, whoever for watching like their afternoon stories. I'm like, this is just the male version of that. Really, it is a bunch
0: of hoopla. Yeah. Well, you know, when you have guys like Thon Maker to making trade requests, you know it's all scripted. Like it can't be real.
1: When I saw that and I saw Woj tweeting that, I'm like, man, like I should be breaking that news. Like like this is not like a Woj Bomb type. Yeah.
0: When you think that <laughs> when you think about what Woj did in the last five days, he broke that Anthony Davis wanted to be traded, and he broke that Thon Maker wanted to be traded. So like
1: I think it, the Thon Maker one's more impressive.
0: Yeah, there's just like this huge array of things that Woj breaks and you know, there's the small things and then there's the big things.
1: My friend sent me a thing from uh, Bucks Reddit, and it was the Michael Jordan Thonmaker Identical Plays tape. Have you seen that?
0: I th- think I have. I <laughs> I know I've seen one with Giannis, I think, but I don't know if I've seen the, yeah.
1: You know what kind of is funny? When, the, when like, first take talks about the Bucks randomly sometimes, they'll always slide in at the end, oh, imagine what Thonmaker could be. <laughs> they won't talk about they won't talk yeah. about anything that's like actually like factual about the team. They'll be like but that then they'll just slip in. Oh man, that thought maker. Oh my god. Imagine. Just imagine what he could be.
0: Yeah. That's seems like to Maybe the maybe they can convince somebody to give us something valuable for Thon Maker. Because yeah. us people that watch him every game are like, yeah, he could be something, but he's probably always going to be the guy that can't catch a basketball and struggles to shoot consistently.
1: Yeah. Stephen A. needs to start demanding that 80. 80 for Thon straight up. Who says no? Exactly. Right? Well. Me. That, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, that's gonna do it for this edition of the Cream City Cast. The Bucks have uh, a few games this week. They play the Pistons, uh, all these games on the road. They play the Pistons on Tuesday, the Raptors on the TNT game on Thursday, and they play Saturday at Washington, and then they'll finish up the road trip uh, on Monday against Brooklyn. So, should be an interesting stretch. Uh, Probably a lot of wins that Toronto game, obviously, the big one we're gonna circle. So, we're gonna come at you with a Pistons uh, recap. I don't think we're gonna do a Pistons preview before tomorrow because we're getting this one out so late. So, we'll do that and then we'll preview the Raptors on Wednesday for you then as well. So, my name's Dylan Piccolo. I'm joined as always by Alex Juno at Junes Fishes on twitter you can check me out on twitter at dp double underscore hoops check out all the great content we have out at creamcitycentral.com check out all the cool stuff that al's tweeting because he's just a ruckus on twitter an absolute ruckus so we want to thank you very much for listening to the cream city cast please uh rate and subscribe on uh itunes as well as we have a follow page on soundcloud uh so thank you have a good night and go bucks